From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hiya to everyone listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. And hey, you streaming us live on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and those of you assembled in the YouTube live chat. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Psychic radio and television show host Ted Marr is with me this hour. He makes frequent trips to Mount Shasta in Northern California, and he says he's found the entrance to the interior of our hollow earth there. And he'll tell us about that and his ability to time travel using a particular meditation technique that he'll he'll share with us. His radio program, Out of This World Radio, broadcasts out of the greater Seattle area. Uh, he's been a, a psychic and in touch with the other side for over 25 years. He also has a new online show at BBS Radio, and we'll tell you more about that, which air, uh, that'll start broadcasting on Monday, July the 6th. And uh, Ted has over 200,000 listeners in over 90 countries. He says the purpose of his program is to make this world a much better and happier place. He's also published a book called Messages from the Masters, which provides messages from Albert Einstein, President Kennedy, Nostradamus, among other great spirits, on our bright, beautiful future. Ted Marr, thanks for joining me. How are you? Richard, it's great to talk to you. Thank you so much for inviting me tonight. This is going to be a lot of fun. My pleasure. So, I asked him once before, but I, I think my listeners would find this very interesting. And that is this rather unusual intersection of practicing law, you were an attorney, and also being a psychic. Did those two worlds ever collide, and if so, how? Hmm. Well, it did, actually. And um, I, I came from a psychic family, and my foster mother used to find missing and lost children in the Seattle area. And detectives would come to her, and they, they would say, please don't tell the public I'm help- we're, uh, you know, we've asked you for help. But they had some cases which they just couldn't solve. So they would come to her, and they'd give her, her like a, a picture of a child or a piece of clothing, and um, she was very good. Usually within a few minutes, she would be able to tell what had happened to the child. Um, but it was, it was hard work, and it was also um, very discouraging, as you can well imagine, because many, many times the children would be abused or deceased, but she would be able to help them out, and then the police would often solve the crime, but they could never give her credit because they would, might lose her funding and the public might ridicule them. That, that was about 20, 30 years ago now. I think things have changed, and the public hopefully is more open to it now than they were back then. But, um, yeah, she taught me how to talk to the other side. And then when my dad passed away in March of 99, he came to uh, Terry, my foster mother, and um, wanted to teach me um, even more about talking to the other side. So she gave me instructions with my dad's help from 99 until uh, my foster mother passed away in, in um, October of uh, what was what year was that? That was 2012. And so since that time, I've been talking to spirits on the other side, 
and benevolent extraterrestrials as well, um, as easy it is for me to talk to you, you now in this dimension. But also practicing law at some point. I mean, how did that work? And did, did those two, you know, being a uh, psychic, how did that work while you're being a lawyer? Lawyers about, you know, just the facts and follow the evidence and all of that sort of thing. Right, right. Well, I, I, would, I would be in courtrooms and I could tell when the opposing counsel was lying. I could tell when the judge, what the judge was thinking. Um, oh, that's useful for a lawyer. <laughs> what lawyer wouldn't have, wouldn't love to have that ability? But, you know, I reached my own psychic deja vu because I was earning six figures plus. I was earning a very good income. But I got to the point where I, I could see people when they were lying and I had clients come to me and they wanted me to lie, steal and cheat. And after a while, I just couldn't do it anymore. And it's a long story how I ended up doing what I do now. But I had to follow my soul, and my soul said, "You, this was my own spiritual lesson. You know, I could, um, um, I, I, you know, money's fine. It's it's a good thing to earn money, of course. I'm not knocking it, but I reached my own kind of um, Waterloo in a way where I had to have, I had to do something else. So um, it's a long story. I started practicing law, and uh, that was about. Uh, 10 years ago now, 10, 11 years ago, and then I said to myself, well, what am I going to do now? And I meditated deeply, and I, I'll never forget, I went to see a psychic once in Seattle, and he said, what are you doing here? And I said, what do you mean? I like a reading. And he said, no, I'm serious. You can do the same thing I'm doing, and probably even better. You just need practice. And um, and so I started um, started doing it, and then craziest thing happened in 2013. Um, I was in a library doing some research, and a homeless man came up to me, and he called me by my name, and I'd never met him before, Richard, and he said, Ted, you need to start your own radio show and start writing books. And then I looked around, and before I had a chance to say a word to him, he disappeared. So he was an angel coming to me. And about five or six weeks later, just to make sure I got the message, another man in another library in the Seattle area came up to me, and he said, Ted, you need to start your own radio show and start writing books. And then he disappeared. And at that point, I said, what am I going to do? I don't even know the first thing about radio. And it just so happened I met this uh, young lady who had a friend who was the manager of this radio station in Seattle, and I visited him back in September of 2013. And within 45 minutes, I signed a contract for my own show. And um, I've been on the air ever since. And I started with, uh, with no experience. Um, and since that time, I've gotten, I think my range now is over 90 countries and over a quarter million uh, listeners. Um, my website, if it's okay to give it out, is um, Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Thank you, my friend. Um, out of this world, 1150.com. And I broadcast on Fridays from 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific time. The purpose of my show was to make the world a much better and happier place. And I'm also starting a new online show out of the San Francisco Bay Area. And actually, I was going to start July 6th, but uh, I've moved it up to June 20th, and that's um, BBS Radio, uh, Boy Boy Sam Radio, forward slash out of this world radio. And that'll be, uh, I'll be broadcasting on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And since we last spoke, Richard, I've gotten two more offers to... um, to be on five different radio shows in Miami, Florida, and be syndicated on the U.S. East Coast. And then um, a couple days ago, I got another offer to be on two FM stations on Friday night at 10 p.m. 
Central European time in Vienna, Austria. And um, I hope I don't get uh, Vienna, Austria, Miami. How that's it's almost like there's someone behind the scenes helping you along. I mean, not that you're. Yeah, I'm not suggesting you didn't earn this, but I'm saying Mm -hmm. you're as you're describing it. It's like your whole career is being orchestrated by some what higher power. I, I think so. Yeah, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, um, and um, it's. Um, I, I know I'm being guided by angels, um, uh, and it's been an amazing experience. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I, I I was looking for a for a house for a home, and um, I, I I said to my dad on the other side, I'd love to get a house, but I don't have the money, and he said, Don't worry. He told me when I would find it. And he said, don't worry, we'll help you get it. And so I did find, he said I'd find it in June of, what year was that, 17? And I did find it. And the house I got was a three-bedroom for um, $10,000. And um, it closed. Say what? How is that possible? How is that possible? (laughs) You can't buy a um, doorknob for (laughs) $10,000. Well, the, the information that you get, if you, if you have a good psychic who can access the fifth and higher dimensions, all you get is true. It's 100% true. Now, sometimes you may, may make a mistake, but usually if you get incorrect information, it's, it's only because your perceptions might be off. But if you tune right. carefully into the fifth dimension, the, the information you get is usually 100% true, and you can, you can take that to the bank. Literally. All right. Ted Marr is with us from Out of This World Radio. Just a quick aside, Ted, because you broadcast out of uh, the Seattle area. Uh, are you anywhere near the uh, the newly formed uh, Republic of Chaz? Uh, about uh, the station's about five or six miles away from it. Mm-hmm. Ah, OK. Yeah. Yeah. All there's, right. There's quite there's quite a bit I would love to tell you off air what's going on, um, but uh, it's been very surprising, everything. Um, yeah, it's been very surprising, Richard. It's kind of like a, kind of a shock, frankly, but um, I know we'll get yeah, to it, I, you know. Yeah, so. Right, yes, I hope it all ends well. Uh, now, yeah. so I want to talk to you about Mount Shasta. Uh, I have driven, I've, I've never, I've driven by Mount Shasta a number of times, mm-hmm. Uh, um, but I've never stopped and uh, stopped there. It's certainly on my list. I hear wonderful things about Mount Shasta. Uh, mm-hmm. But but you take you take people there every year. You go there every year. And right. first of all, what led you there in the first place? Um, it was August 2015 when I was invited down to give a presentation. At the time, I was channeling uh, President Kennedy Nostradamus. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy, my good friend Albert Einstein, and other great spirits, and I was invited to give a presentation. So I did. I gave one about two and a half hours down there, and at the end of the conference, I was sleeping on the mountain in a tent, and I'll never forget, I woke up about uh, 4.30, 5 in the morning. I was awakened by Adama, the the high priest of of Kelos underneath Mount Shasta, and he said, relax, we're going to take you on a journey. So they took me to um, Telos, which is a city 100 miles beneath Mount Shasta. It's a fifth-dimensional city where everyone... Which means what? For 
those not aware, what does what do you mean by a fifth dimension city? Okay, we okay we in the we exist here in the third dimension, Richard, and um, they exist in the fifth dimension, um, and there are actually twelve different dimensions currently. Uh, with the twelfth dimension, be is where the uh, supreme being or the prime creator who created God, if you will, there's various names for this entity. Um, it created this this planet and, and all the universes. Um, and it's the destiny of this planet, according to my great spirit friends, for this planet to to shift into the higher dimensions. And so they they live in a fifth dimensional um, existence. Uh, they have a physicality, but it's it's much higher vibration. And when they speak, they they speak very very rapidly. They don't. Um, they usually communicate telepathically. Um, what else can I tell you? The, the, the colors are very vibrant down there. They're, the reds, they have red flowers, for example, down there, and they have uh, uh, the, the flowers are far more vibrant in colors than they are here. It's a little bit like being up in the being Alberta up in the um, up in the Rockies, and you're at very high elevation, and because there's fewer air molecules up there, the intensity of the sunlight is greater, and so the colors are brighter. It's like that in in the hollow Earth too. And they um, they live um, easily live a thousand years down there. Their longevity is much higher than they, than it is here, and um, they do eat like we do, but not as much because they live off what's called prana. They also have an artificial sun, and there's no shadows down there. The sunlight itself is kind of golden. And uh, what's the amazing thing is that I'm going back there in a couple of weeks. In about two and a half weeks, I'll be there, Richard. You're welcome to come. Love to have you come out if you like. It's um, I'll be going there July 1st to the 8th, and again from August 27th to September 3rd. And what they told me is that when I go this time down there, Richard, I'll be in the fifth, Shasta itself, where we go, will be in the fifth dimension. This means that the people of Telos will be walking around us, and they'll be physical before we've gone in etherical in the astral plane. And this will be different this time because the vibrations are, are much higher. Um, Wait a second now. So when you when you saw Telos for the first time in 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 the interior of the Earth beneath Mount Shasta, this fifth mm-hmm. dimensional city, you didn't go there physically. You went there. You astral traveled there. Is that the idea? I, I yeah, they astral traveled. They they took my soul and took it to the to the hollow Earth. Um, but the amazing thing is is that um, I have had people on my trips go there physically. There was a group of Koreans about six, seven Koreans who came on my trip in September of 2000, um, what year was, uh, 2016 to Mount Shasta. And they had, they were been praying for years to go into Mount Shasta. And I dropped them off and uh, about 10 o'clock in the morning and um, uh, dropped them off to this portal that I knew. And they went off praying and they said, come back. I said, I'll come back around five or six p.m. that day. So I came back about 5, 5 p.m. 5, 5.30 p.m., Richard, and um, they had just walked out of the rocks. The, the rocks itself had opened up in this portal, and they had just walked out of the rocks from the from going, visiting Telos, and they also went to uh, Shambhala as well. They took a shuttle system. It's quite a story, they told me, and went there. And they had several... You could take a shuttle from Telos to Shambhala. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I only know Shambhala from the, uh, the the song by Three Dog Night, a terrific song. Um, and how far is Telos from Shambhala? Uh, it's quite a way. Shambhala itself um, is. They said it was beneath the Aegean. Well, it's it's the it's the area where in Tibet, where China's located. 
but there's a shuttle system that's very old. It's thousands of years old, and it moves at lightning speed from one planet to the other. So it doesn't take long, maybe okay, so half hour, 40 minutes to get, Telos to get is there. Be, is beneath, Telos is beneath Mount Shasta. Shambhala mm-hmm. is beneath Tibet. You're correct. And there's okay. also a library. They also say that the Library of Alexandria didn't um, wasn't wasn't washed over by the waves um, in in the 11th century uh, A.D. It actually was taken underneath the Aegean Sea, where Greece is located, and all the books and writings were stored there. And they've added to it since that time. I well, it was supposedly destroyed there. by fire. It was supposedly right. destroyed by yeah. fire. Uh, now, um, so you know the pres- is there more than one entrance into the interior earth at Mount Shasta, or is there only one? No, there are, there are many, um, but they're clustered around one particular area. There's, there's a couple different entrances to it. There's one place where we always camp, where there's, there's several different en- entrances. There's another place south of town that we go to for another place that's an entrance. There's still more entrances uh, toward the top of Mount Shasta. I mean, they're really all, all over the place, but... The, one of the most exciting things that happens there is that we've had a series of miracle healings uh, since 2016 visiting the mountain. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I have firsthand experience on this. Um, for many years, my eyesight in my right eye was 20-50 vision, blurry, far, farsighted vision. And um, last September, Adama asked me one night in, the, in, in a dream, he said, you can see now crystal clear. How would you like to see physically crystal clear? And I said, yes, I'd love, love to. And he said, how would you like um, some, some new eyesight, fix your eyesight physically? And I said, yes, I'd love it. So the next morning I woke up, and uh, for the first time in 40, 40, 45 years, I could see crystal clear in both eyes, 2010 crystal clear eyesight, which is what I have now. Um, in another time in, I think it was September of 2018, I was at the mountain with a small group of people, and um, I've been working seven, 24-7 for years, uh, first as an attorney, and then now for a radio show. I, I do work quite a bit. And they said that, um, Ted, your heart's wearing out. How would you like a new heart? And I said, yes, I'd love one, because they didn't want me to expire early. So they gave me a new heart. And so I have a new heart and new eyesight now, and I feel... Uh, refurbished with a new warranty, ready to go for the next thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, we're going to break here in about uh, a minute. Um, okay. So each time you go to Mount Shasta, now do you astral travel to Telos, or do you physically go through this portal in, into the interior of the Earth? Almost every, well, there's a couple of prerequisites. First off, um, it's a good idea not to eat meat three weeks before the trip. That's the first thing. Second thing, you have to be a high positive vibration, not have any doubts about it. And the, and the third thing is that most of the time, everybody travels on the astral plane, but people have gone in physically, too. Um, and um, it's happened with such have regularity. You, have you gone in physically? Yeah, well, I haven't gone have physically. I've been astrally. I can go there now, actually, okay. too, if you want. Um, okay. Yeah, Listen, I we're going to take a time out. Uh, when we come back, we'll uh, continue to delve into Mount Shasta and also talk about DIY time travel. Ted Marr is here from Out of This World Radio. My name is Richard Serrett, back with more of The Conspiracy Show in mere moments. Don't go away.
providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. Ted Marr is paying us a visit from Out of This World Radio in the uh, Seattle area. And he's also the author of Messages from the Masters, which, time permitting, we'll get into as well. Back to Mount Shasta. So you say that all of Mount Shasta is moving into the fifth dimension later this year, I think you said. Do you mean just one specific area of Mount Shasta, or are we talking about the whole county? It should be the entire mountain shifting into the fifth dimension. That's what they told me. Um, and so I'll be finding out in about three weeks when I drive down there. Um, it's, it's, it's the most exciting, it's the most exciting event in this universe at this time. All eyes are upon us, Richard, and we have many extraterrestrial civilizations watching us now to see what happens on this planet. It's, um, it's an amazing time to be alive. It really is. What does that mean in practical terms? If Mount Shasta is moving into the fifth dimension, does that mean if you are on Mount Shasta, when it shifts into the fifth dimension, what does that mean? What'll happen? Assuming they'll let you in. Now, you have to be of high vibration, positive vibration. Assuming they'll let you in, and there's, there's gates, actually, different portals at Shasta. You, you should be able to walk down a staircase. And once you reach the bottom of the staircase, you can take a shuttle that moves at lightning-fast speed down to Telos, which is 100 miles beneath um, Mount Shasta. Um, uh, Telos itself is a Lemurian city. It was established 12,500 years ago by the, re- by the survivors from Lemuria. About 12,500 years ago, uh, much of the planet was uh, destroyed by the Atlanteans. They were trying to control the planet with nuclear and crystalline uh, energy weapons. They failed, but they also uh, destroyed much of the planet. And uh, much of the Lemurian civilization ended up um, uh, destroying itself in the process. But there were uh, 25,000 people from Lemuria who escaped to these caverns underneath this uh, Mount Shasta, and they brought their technology with, with them. So the day's population there is about uh, about 1.3 million. There is something else that happened too in the in the in the uh, in the destruction that followed. There was a large part of Lemuria which which broke off and drifted off to the, to the west coast of North America. So the area from Mount Shasta north all the way to Vancouver Island has a very, very high spiritual energy. And I think that's from, they tell me that's from, that's from actually from Lemuria. It's got this Lemurian energy. And the energy itself stops at the Cascade Mountains, which run up and down the west coast. So it's a very interesting area. It's a little bit like if you go to um, Cusco, Cusco in the, the Sacred Valley in Peru, that also has very high Inca energy. I have a previous life as an Inca, uh, Inca, Inca uh, priest um, uh, way back thousands of years ago. So it's, it's all the same kind of high vibrational um, energy. Right. But again, if you're on Mount Shasta, as it moves into the fifth dimension, what would you see? What will happen? Your surroundings will be a little bit like fuzziness. You should be able like tuning a radio in. There was an old, it's not the Twilight Zone, but uh, there were several sci-fi. The Outer Limits? That's right. Outer Limits, yeah. And they, and they say that Nothing's wrong, you know, you're just going to the outer limits. As you shift into the, into the higher dimensions, that should be the case, where you'll experience a disorientation of reality, and then you'll be in this new reality of much, much higher uh, vibration. You won't need to eat as much. The, the colors will all be brighter, and you should all, if you're, when you're in that higher dimension, uh, be able to communicate telepathically. 
I'd love to catch up with you after the trip, and I'll let you know what we experience, what I experience when uh, when we go into it. Oh, please do. Please do. And is that going to be a permanent shift into the fifth dimension, or is it just kind of a fleeting glance at what the fifth dimension is like? Permanent shift. Let me share with you, if you don't mind, what President Kennedy has told me about it. He said that the whole planet, the destiny of planet Earth, is to shift into these higher dimensions. So this is just the start, and other there's other. Eventually, the entire planet will shift into the fifth dimension. Some places will shift early. It's not going to be a, a shift all at once. Instead, will be different parts of the planet will sh- start shifting, and Shasta will be one of the first places to shift next month. Next year will be Sedona, Arizona, or else parts of Tibet will go in next year, and it's going to be an amazing, a really amazing time. I've been down to the to Telos before, and I've experienced the fifth dimension. Things move very, very rapidly, and there's not time as we know it here. We exist here in the third dimension. The fourth dimension is time, and they exist in what's called the fifth dimension. In the fifth dimension, they don't have time as we know it here. For example, the Koreans who went in physically into in, in September of 2016 into Telos, according to their watches, they were only gone like an hour. Okay, but... Outside, in the third dimension, they must have been gone for seven or eight hours altogether. So time moves a lot slower. If you'd like to listen to that interview, I interviewed all of them just as when they, just after they walked, within minutes after they walked out of Telos. You can go to my website at www.outofthisworld1150.com, and at the top of the landing page, it says uh, past guests. Go down to 2000. Um, 16, September 2016, and there'll be a small tab, and you can you can listen to the interview I had with all the Koreans who just had just come out of Telos at, at that point. But it's going to be a different kind of reality, um, and I can't I can't wait, uh, Richard. And you're welcome to come too if you like, or, or in August. I, I'll be going there again at the end of August. Well, maybe one day. Uh, that whole giving up meat for three weeks might be a bit of a challenge. Uh, I love my grill, uh, but however. Um, you know, if okay. if that's what it takes, I will have to buckle down and and uh, give that a shot. Um, well, well why know. why not? I give up. I give I give meat up for forty days during Lent, so I'm sure I could do it. It's tough this, though. Uh, now, is, what happens if when the world moves into the fifth dimension? What does that mean? Does that mean the end of war? Does that mean uh, the end of strife and turmoil? Uh, is it going to be paradise? What's the world in a fifth dimension going to be like? It's going to be paradise, but I, I want to make—I want to share this kind of a joke with you, Rich. You know how attorneys are always looking for loopholes. Well, there is a loophole yes. to eating meat. If you bless the animal before you eat it, and uh, there's some spiritual protocols I advise people. Um, the problem is, is that most animals, when they're when they're butchered, for example, they're in great care, and so when you eat the meat of an animal that's been been butchered, usually there's a lot of negativity in the meat itself. That's true. The meat and it lowers your vibration. But if you bless the animal and thank them for giving their life so you may sustain yours and celebrate their life, that takes away a lot of the negativity. So that can help. Um, so if you do eat meat, if you want to come on the trip, you know, just send me an email to outofthisworld1150 at gmail.com, and I'm happy to give you some good advice. But um, you know, getting back to your question on um, the fifth uh, dimension. Oh, the fifth dimension. Yeah, it's. Uh, you said the world is going to uh, be like paradise. Yeah, it, it'll be like paradise. It's the destiny of this planet to move into into the fifth dimension. Um, if you're, for example, let's say, 
um, you're a prosecutor or a judge um, or a, an attorney in the courtroom, and you're wondering if you have a criminal case, you're wondering, well, did this person do the crime that they're alleged to have done? You could read in the fifth dimension, Richard, you could read their mind instantaneously, and you could tell their, whether they're guilty or innocent just like that. And it's going to get to the point when we go into the fifth dimension, you won't need the heavy-handed um, police structures that you do now because um, people won't be able won't be able to get away with anything because everybody will be able to read their minds. And so crime will become a thing of the past. Uh, we will still have a government, however, but it will be more for regulating relations between us, humanity on this planet, and other extraterrestrial civilizations. But, you know, if you look like a, if you look at, for example, a flock of birds or a herd of geese, herd of cows or, or deer or whatever, they all instinctively know how to act. They don't need a, a, a government over them. And it's like the same way in, in this planet, too. And I think as we have spiritually evolved, the need for regulation of human activities will be much less than it is now. We're jumping from the third into the fifth. Does that mean we're skipping over the fourth dimension? Because you said the fourth dimension is time. I'm wondering, you know, because we want to talk about time travel and how you time travel, wouldn't that involve being in the fourth dimension? Very, very, very good question, Richard. Thank you for asking that. Um, you actually go into the fourth dimension briefly, and then you slide into the fifth. It's it's a kind of a way station. Um, there is there are people who've come to me in the past. They said, Ted, why don't you make it easier on yourself? Why don't you take drugs, and you'll get to the other side very quickly? And I said, well, you're partially right. If you take, for example, uh, if you abuse alcohol or drugs, you, you can go into the other dimension, usually end up in the lower part of the fourth dimension where there's lots of negative entities there. And um, that kind of energy I stay away from. I, plus, I've, I've been in touch with the other side now for 25, 26 years, so I don't need to do any of that. And so um, um, it, you, do, you, do go, you stop at the fourth dimension, briefly, Richard, and then go right in, into the fifth. Okay, we're going to uh, take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll talk about DIY time travel, and uh, Ted will share some of his meditative techniques that will allow you to transcend time and space right here on the radio. My name is Richard Serrett. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Please stick around. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Just a quick programming note or two. Next week, Victor Vigiani from XO, uh, sorry, from, um, my gosh, <laughs> Zealand Communications. Uh, Victor from Zealand Communications will be along with... Uh, UFO researcher Paula Harris, and I think uh, Clifford Stone may join us for the second hour. Uh, that's next week. The following week, Jerome Corsi uh, uh, will be with us. Jerome Corsi, the author of Killing the Deep State, and uh, of course he was caught up in the uh, Mueller, uh, Bob Mueller Russian collusion hoax uh, investigation. He'll tell us about that as well. All right, um, Ted Mars stays with us. We were talking uh, Fifth Dimension and uh, I want to talk about time travel now. So when did you discover that you could you could travel backwards and I'm assuming backwards and forwards in time? How did that happen? Well, the first time, it's it was a long time ago now. It just seems like yesterday, Richard, but it's a funny story. 
I was on a flight on Northwest Airlines from Seattle to Tokyo. I, I was working in the South Pacific, actually. Um, and I was on a flight, and I'll be honest, I just had um, two, two little shot bottles of brandy. And I was watching a movie on this flight. And I fell asleep. And in my dreams, I remember dreaming the next several scenes, like next three or four scenes in this movie. And I woke up, and then I watched all the scenes in the movie replay themselves. But I don't recommend uh, flying, flying over to Tokyo <laughs> and drinking brandy to time travel. There's an easy way. <laughs> Although that's not a bad way, I must say. That's not a bad way. No, no. It could have been the combination, um, and I haven't tried this since, of mixing the brandy with the, um, what's that French whiskey? I can't remember now. It's, um, um, anyway, the Cavassier, something like that. Yeah, anyway, mixing the two together that did it. But um, the people, different people have different techniques um, for time travel. This is one that's worked for me. And what you do, you get yourself first in a good mood, in a very relaxed state. And you, it's easiest if you start out with something pleasant. Um, for me, I went back to um, when I used to go fishing with my dad at a local lake, um, which was a lot of fun. I always had a lot of fun. And so I wanted to go back and talk to him during this, this time for this fishing trip. So I, I picked a time back in the mid-late 1970s. That would be a, That was a good time for me. And what I did is that you visualize making two copies of yourself, just standing right outside you in the astral plane. And then you take those two copies of yourself and you send it back to that event. Now, it, it's easiest if you pick a pleasant event because it's easiest to go back to it because you want to go back and want to talk to your dad. My dad passed away back in March of 99. So um, anyway, you send, your, you send two copies of yourself to this particular event that happened. And Why then, two? Uh, Why not just one? Why two copies? Okay, oh, it's 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 for safety reasons, so you don't get your soul lost in the in the uh, in some sort of weird dimensional trap. You're lost out there in the universe somewhere. Okay, okay. Um, now, so if if I if I might, I just want to drill down on this a little bit because this is kind of the 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 the, the crux of it. Uh, so you, when you say you create two copies, I mean you visualize two two more of you. And then right. when you say you send them back, how, right. how how do you do that? What do you mean you send them back? Okay, in your mind's eye, using your pineal gland, you visualize the experience, the pleasant experience from the past. It could be like your first date, for example. Um, it could be uh, a really uh, a fun time with your parents. It could be just meeting your wife, for example, for the first time. Something pleasant that you'd like to relive. And so if you've got, there's a reason why I say two copies, um, and, and you'll, you'll, I think, I ho hopefully I can explain it well now. You take the two copies in the astral plane, the first, you make those two copies, then you think back to a pleasant time you would like to go to, and you visualize those two copies going back to that time frame, what, that, that event or that episode that you had, the pleasant experience. One of them, you keep, you, you, um, you, you keep just outside of the event, and then one, you interact with your, with your parents, with your mom, your dad, with maybe a favorite pet you liked, maybe a fishing trip uh, with your dad or relatives you went on. Um, maybe you want to celebrate your, your mom's birthday going back then, or Mother's Day, or Christmas, or maybe a walk along the beach with friends. So you, you, you have 
one one copy of you is interacting with your dad or family or relatives, and you and you can do it. You can actually speak to them, talk to them. Um, you can interact with them as long as you don't change history. And changing history means um, making some sort of significant change in the past so that you might get rid of yourself. Like, for example, if you, um, I don't know, if you, um, you could even interact with yourself way back then. Um, but you wouldn't want to, for example, accidentally kill yourself back then because then you wouldn't exist now. It's kind of a paradox. Right. The grandfather, but, the grandfather paradox. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you got to be a Although, mm-hmm. you know, because we know from the butterfly effect, however, even one subtle, subtle thing that you might not be aware of could cause a cascade of events that could change the future. So, I mean, you have to be very careful. Right. I would assume. Yeah, you gotta be very, right. You've got to be very careful, and there are universal laws against changing the past. And I'll give you, I'll give you a, a interesting story I had from a, um, a nice lady who was listening to my, sh- my radio show from Toronto, actually. I'll, I'll tell you that story in a few minutes, what she told me what happened to her. Anyway, um, you interact, you go fishing with your dad, you visit your mom on Mother's Day, you go back to the first time you met your wife, um, have a you have you can have a pleasant time talking to them, and then when you're all finished, you take that that copy who's been interacting with your parents or loved one, and then you bring it back, and there's an extra copy of you standing on the side in the astral plane, observing everything, and you merge it, the two together. It's very important to merge the two together, because if you don't, you may have part of yourself, part of your soul, kind of floating around in some sort of interdimensional reality. And it could really mess mess you up in terms of feeling grounded, and you might, you know, you might continually spaced out for the rest of your life because part of you is in another dimension at another time. But you want to, you can then you merge those two two copies of yourself together. Then you bring both copies back to you in this in this time frame now, time and space, just outside of you, and you merge both those copies back into you again, and you're all All whole. All right, we'll um, we'll take another time out, uh, Ted, and then. And uh, we'll we'll continue to delve into uh, DIY time travel with Ted Marr from Out of This World Radio. It truly is out of this world. Let's um, let's meet up again in just a moment. The Conspiracy Show continues. Don't go away. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. From Zoomer Radio. And if you enjoy The Conspiracy Show, I think you're going to get a kick out of my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, which drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. New episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Conspiracy Unlimited. To listen and subscribe, just go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com, ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. And uh, start enjoying episodes. All right. Uh, Ted Marr stays with us for a few moments yet. We're talking about uh, DIY time travel. So, I mean, it's one thing to imagine. You can imagine yourself uh, back. So let's say I'm imagining my first day in kindergarten in September of 1969. Uh, I can imagine myself being there. But how do I know I'm actually time traveling and not just imagining? Well, one, I mean, that's a good question, Richard. Um, thanks for asking that. Um, one of the things is that you've got to do two things. You have to trust your heart-mind, and there's two different 
brains we have, we have one is the heart mind, and the other one is the logical mind. The heart mind actually is 2,000 times more um, powerful than the, than the logical mind. So it's always, it's always a good idea to trust the, your intuition. And when you communicate to the other side, it's, it's almost always the first answer you get, which is, which is the right one. The second thing to do is that when you do time travel, you always um, want to develop your pineal gland. Uh, the, the cells in your pineal gland have the same cells that are found in your eyes, actually, um, but they, but they they help with your with your intuition. Um, if you if you live in an area, for example, where the water is fluoridated, um, it's a good idea to to get something called Arctic skate liver oil. Sometimes it's called fermented Arctic skate liver oil. That'll take the fluoride out of your pineal gland because the long term use of fluoride actually shuts down your pineal gland, making it much harder. To, to time travel, to use your intuition, to contact the other side. But within two weeks, um, if you take an arc, just one capsule per day, Richard, you can take out all the fluoride out of your body and also help your intuition, too. Um, it's, um, and it's, it's cheap. It's, I think it's $30 on Amazon to, uh, for a bottle of 120 capsules. Um, and you just take one per day for two weeks, and, and it'll help. $30 is cheap? Yeah, if you... If- it's going to help you time travel. Now, you mentioned fluoride. Yeah. Just a quick aside here, and we'll get back to the time travel. But yeah. do you think then that that was one of the reasons that fluoride was placed in public drinking water was to calcify our pineal glands and prevent us from developing our intuitive sides? Was that deliberate? I think so. We could spend another hour on this easy, but I'll make it, I'll make it just give you a short answer. After World War II... Many countries in the West wanted to. We were in this Cold War with the uh, Russians, and they, and uh, we we wanted the military and scientific uh, knowledge, technical knowledge of the of the Germans. Um, they'd lost the war, and they, and especially the United States were, were, were very interested in getting their expertise. And one of the things that um, Adolf Hitler did in in the uh, late 30s and 40s is that he used fluoride in the concentration camps in the water there. And one of the reasons why he did is that it is because it shut down the pineal gland, and and it made them good. It made them docile uh, workers who didn't have any intuition. Well, um, uh, I can't talk about the benefits of fluoride for for tooth decay, but I do know it does shut down your um, pineal gland. And so when those scientists came to the West here, to the United States and Canada, they urged that um, the various governments to put fluoridation in the water supply. And I think it um, it uh, it it uh, it wasn't a good thing for for people, and it shut down their their pineal glands. But it's easy enough remedy. You just take the Arctic skate liver oil, or you drink uh, filtered water that that doesn't have it in it. So um, yeah, there's there's quite a bit written on it actually, but uh, that's that's what I know of of the subject. Coincidentally, I just got an email. Uh, there's nothing in the body of the email, just a headline, and it says, Big Fluoride Fed Trial on with Paul Connett and his son Michael one week in one week. I don't know anything more about it. I do know Paul Connett. I've interviewed him a number of times. He's a big anti-fluoride researcher activist. So there is a big federal trial coming on line, apparently, regarding fluoride. That's in the United States, I'm assuming. So back to uh, time travel. So right. how long did it take for you to get to the point where you could travel uh, back to any point in history you wanted to go and it, it was like you, were, you, you literally felt that you were there. You were interacting. You had all the sights, the 
smells, the sounds. How long did it take to perfect that? I had to develop my own ability to talk to the other side. And to be honest with you, Richard, um, I had to leave the third dimension behind. And it took me, it took me some time. And I don't want to deter anybody uh, about learning it because I can teach people how to do it, do it. But for me, it took me years to the, get to the point where I could talk easily talk to the other side. And once I was able to do that and train myself to talk to spirits on the other side, then it was quite easy to do this, very easy to do it. And I can, um, I, I, it, it allows you not only to travel to any point in the past, but you can also go into the future, too, on this or other planets or other universes or other dimensions. And the only problem with going out into the future on this planet, since Earth is a free will planet, um, uh, the, 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 nothing's written in stone for the future. It is written in stone, sort of stone for the past and the present. But if you try to go out, for example, 100 years, you're looking at the best probabilities percentage-wise as to what's going to happen in the future. Because people's, people change their mind, and you can't control free will. But all you can do is get a, a, a good shot, at, a, a, a good probability of what's going to happen. Um, in in the future, um, so it. Um, I hope I hope that helps. <laughs> I hope that sure. Helps. All right. So I want to talk for a few moments that remain about your book, Messages from the Masters, and you uh, are channeling people like John F. Kennedy and uh, Albert Einstein, uh, also Nostradamus. Tell me about meeting Nostradamus. I had an interesting uh, meeting with Nostradamus. It happened back in February of 2015. I've been working on my radio show all day in this library, and I walked outside, and I had um, um, I had wondering what um, Albert Einstein would be saying about what was happening in the world at the time. At the time, there were there were uh, rumors of a war, possible a war between the United States and North Korea. And um, I walked out of this building, and I heard this voice in my head saying, "I hear you want to talk to me." And I looked around, there wasn't anybody there, and I said, who's this? And he said, it's Albert Einstein. And I said, whoa, I think I better sit down for a few, I think I better sit down. So I sat down, and for the next three and a half hours, I talked to Albert Einstein about uh, the future, about his, his life. And then um, he gave me a bunch of messages about our beautiful, bright future. And he said, uh, would, you, would you write this in a book and publish it? I said, yes, I would. And then he said, I have other the spirits here to talk to you, and they want to talk to you. So then, after that, he introduced me to his friend uh, Leonardo da Vinci, and after that, I met uh, Robert F. Kennedy. After that, uh, uh, Jack Kennedy. After that, Mahatma Gandhi, who came to me, um, Nostradamus, and a series of, of great, of great masters. With Nostradamus, um, the time that I go back to is December uh, 1540. He's in his uh, study in in the south of France. And he's wearing a, a, a burgundy cape with a burgundy flat, uh, kind of floppy hat on. It's smoky, and it's, it's been cold in France at that time. And when I first met him, Richard, he was tearing up uh, uh, these quatrains he'd written about his predictions for the future. And then he brought out a blank piece of parchment, and he, he, got, he put his, his, it's a feather pen, in, and he said, he looked at me, and he said, um, what kind of world will you and your friends make in the um, 20th, 20 or 21st century. And I said, well, of course we want to make a much better and happier and quiet and peaceful world that doesn't fight, and, and a happy world. And he said, well, you better get busy. So since that time, I've been devoting my, my 100% of my time into making the world a better place. 
Fantastic. And the the book is Messages from the Masters. That's available at Amazon. Or if, if people write me, I'll give them a discount and give them a free reading, too. Just write to me at outofthisworld1150 at gmail.com. Ted, always a delight. Yeah. Thank you. We'll do this again sometime. And I look forward to being on Out of This World Radio with you in the not-too-distant future. Thanks again. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Richard. Have a wonderful day. Thanks again. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you. My thanks to Carlos and Ryan back next week with Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network and Paula Harris, maybe Clifford Stone. Just keep checking the website, strangeplanet.ca, for details. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Or at least up the stairs. Good night.